welcome to Paul's Podcast Diary, your weekly glimpse into the life of indie author Paul Teague. Find out how many words got written over the past seven days, hear what's on the planning board, and discover the tips and tools which Paul is using to self-publish his books and get them selling as fast as possible. This is Paul's Podcast Diary, and here's your show host, Paul Teague. Hello and welcome to Paul's Podcast Diary, episode 152 for Saturday the 11th of May 2019. Coming up this week, I caught up after my slacking day last week. I've written over 20,000 words since we last spoke. I backed to BookBub again with another submission for a book promo. And my thrillers are no longer listed wide. The pincer movement towards rapid re-release has begun. So welcome to this week's diary update. And yes, in the past week since we last spoke on this diary, I have written, wait for it, 20,682 words, which surprises even me. Now, Last Thursday, I had a slacking day because all the family were around, and I wasn't quite sure whether I was going to be able to make it up on the Saturday. And I did, which is great, and I actually feel very happy about that. So on the Saturday, Saturday the 4th of May, even though I did a park run in the morning, I've not done this so far, where I did a park run. I usually need some recovery time after doing a park run, but I came back from the park run really promptly, got got my butt in chair after a shower, and managed to get my 5,000 words done. So on Saturday the 4th of May... I wrote 5,159 words. The day after, on Sunday the 5th of May, 5,147 words. Yesterday, I wrote 5,196 words. And I have just written today 5,180 words, which means I am now at 40,000 words, more than halfway through, left for dead. And sometimes when you're writing at that rate, it feels like I've only just started the book and hang on, I'm halfway through it already. But it is going extremely well. And I'll be honest with you, I've only half planned this. I'm mostly panting this. If you recall, when I wrote the military science fiction books earlier on in the year, I plotted them out the most I've ever plotted books out. And that was mainly because I was doing it for somebody else. And I really wanted them to be able to take a look at the plans. And I did divert from the plan. Certainly by the time I got to book three, I, I was, I kept, I kept the main plan, the main arc, but the, the detail, I realized when I got to book three that I actually needed something quite substantial in there to carry the book. And so I did come up with something completely new by the time I got to book three, even though the arc was the same. The arc of the story was the same. Now with this book, I kind of started off with, it's a, it's a much more pantsed book. But having said that, I do know, I know who done it. I, 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 finally settled on that today worked out what the final twist was and I delivered I've delivered two twists actually this week which I've enjoyed delivering so I've got two big twists halfway through and then I got a big twist at the end and I I, when I was in the shower today I I kind of thought yeah that's what's going to be the final twist at the end what, what I do with my thrillers because I always figure if somebody says to me oh we knew who did it um in, on page one, I was. I always think, well, you can't have done because I didn't know who did it on page one. And what I like to do with my thrillers is set up uh, a lot of people who could have done it, and then when I get after the part, the halfway stage, I generally think, okay, it's going to be that person. And sometimes I, I decide it quite late. Um, but in this case, I, I know who 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 did it, or I know what the final twist is with this psychological thriller, and uh, it's it's kind of flowed really well because I haven't had a detailed plan. And much of the impetus for this book has been the setting. As you know, it's set in this holiday camp that we worked at when we were younger. And then it, the present day is set in Morecambe. Well, actually, some of the past scenes are set in Morecambe. And so the setting, the setting's not driving the plot, but I, I do know what the setting is. I'm not creating the setting. It's just being done from memory. But a, a lot of the impetus for the book is, 
is on things that we did when we were younger. So uh, the scenes are taking place in bars that were on this holiday camp. And because I know them so well, I can remember them so well. Obviously, I'm inserting drama that happens in a place that I can remember very well. So I don't know whether that's it or whether it's just sheer enthusiasm that's carrying me with this story. But um, it's not highly plotted at all. I know the bare bones of it. Um, I, I know kind of where I'm going with it. But um, it, it's being pantsed, really. Uh, um, now, when I say it's being pantsed, before I sit down and write every day, I always have. So I write... I write a chapter a day and I write three sections of that chapter and each section of that chapter is about 1,700 words. So before I write, the night before, and sometimes even further than that, I always have the framework of the chapter that I'm going to write that day. So I always know what's going to happen. I've already, I've already thought about it that well ahead. So when I finished writing today, I actually put my planning notes in for Sunday. So I'll hit the ground running on Sunday. I'll just open up the chapter. I know what's happening in that chapter. So it is planned. It's never completely freeform, never. And I do know what the key plot points are, but I haven't written them down. They're in my head. Uh, I just know the story well in my head, um, but I haven't bothered to write it down this time. So um, it's funny. I do I do prefer that discovery writing. Even when I was doing the military sci-fi series, even though it was quite heavily plotted, I still like discovery writing. You know, I like to, as I'm, as I'm going along, I think of all sorts of things. And particularly with psychological thrillers. Who did I hear saying this? Oh, I'm going to talk to you about uh, Dean Wesley Smith a little bit later on today. But uh, I was watching a video by him, which I'll talk to you about later. And one of the things he was saying, I thought, oh, that's what I say. He was, he was doing this talk that I was watching on the video. And one of the things he said is, if you're ever not sure what happens in your book, just ask yourself what would happen next, which is precisely what I say to you on this podcast. When I'm not sure what comes next, I just say, well, what would happen next if that was real life? And often that just gets me writing again. And it's very simple. It's almost so simple. It's obvious, isn't it? But but actually, that's all that you do. And I heard a big writer, you know, saying that the other day. He's thinking, oh, well, there you go. I'm clearly not that insane um, because he's saying it too. I'm feeling pretty happy with that word count. Um, I'd forgotten that I'd written on Saturday. And when I was just jotting my notes down for this diary, 20 and a half thousand words in a week where I've worked, it's not bad, is it? So I'm, I'm, I'm feeling happy about that. And we did have a bank holiday in the UK this week. And because I wrote on the Saturday, that then freed me up to have a, a day out in Silleth. Now, you'll know that I do like, I have a soft spot for UK traditional seaside resorts. And Silleth is also a traditional seaside resort, as is Morecambe, which is what I'm writing about at the moment, and Blackpool, which was one of the locations in my Don't Tell Meg trilogy. So I'm a bit of a fan of old British seaside resorts. They have they hold a lot of charm for me. Um, so we were out in Silleth on on the Monday. So I even got a day off, even though I've written that much, um, and I've had I've been doing my day's work, obviously, in the day job. So I'm quite pleased with that workout this week, as you can imagine. Last night, I submitted the Grid 1 to BookBub once again. My waiting month is up uh, and the Grid 1 is still wide. It's listed wide and uh, I've had no reply from them just yet. So, fingers crossed, we're looking for a second BookBub on the Grid 1. Didn't make as much money as the thrillers do, but made plenty of money. Made about £3,000 or something, I think, um, you know, directly from that BookBub in the big month. Um, and actually, that the Grid... I'll tell you something about the grid is I had, so I had that, I had my book bub on the grid one be seven months ago now, won't it? That book is still selling through from that book bub, not, not in huge numbers, 
but it, it's still, you know, when you look at your book report, it has your best sellers in there. My best sellers for, for ages have been my Don't Tell Meg trilogy. And since I did that book, Bub with the Grid, the Grid has stayed up there constantly. And now, interestingly, my MailChimp book is up there. My MailChimp, something's happened with the Amazon ads and my MailChimp's back to selling what it was before, which is not huge numbers, but because I make 350 per copy, um, and I think, um, you know, I'm selling, I'm not selling a load of them, but I sold seven copies this week or something like that. Um, but you know, that's another 20 quid, 25 quid in the pot. Um, and it's coming from a, a paperback on which I make good money. So, um, need to try and get those numbers ramped up a bit on the MailChimp book, but I, I'm pleased I republished that. I haven't, I don't think I've sold any of the WordPress one. The WordPress one just seems to be completely invisible at the moment, but the MailChimp one, um, is kind of back to the levels that it was before. I was making about, again, this is not life changing money, but I was making about a hundred pounds on that MailChimp book a month. Um, and I don't think I was, I don't know. I don't think I was even doing Amazon ads on it then. So if I can crack that, that, um, I might be mad if I can get to another hundred pound a month on that MailChimp book, that'd be fab because it's just extra income from, from an old book. Anyhow, I'll let you know as soon as I know about the grid one and whether BookBubba said yes or no on that. Um, so I was talking a few moments ago about Dean Wesley Smith and Jerry Evanoff, uh, contacted me via my Patreon account. Um, when was it earlier in the week? And he said, Oh, Dean Wesley Smith did a talk at 20 Books Vegas this year. And, and, and Jerry sent me the link to that. And if you remember last week, I was talking about Dean Wesley Smith and I was talking about how refreshing it was to hear. I mean, he's been writing, I think he's been published since the 1970s. He's got, he's written about 150 books. And I think he pretty well, I think he's a hybrid author. He, he was a traditional author and now he self publishes and does a bit of all sorts. Um, but it was just really good to hear somebody with his air miles. Um, and, and the way that he could be relaxed because he knows the industry so well. It was just really refreshing to hear him talk. So if you want to get um, Dean Wesley Smith in a nutshell to just kind of hear his take on things, he I hadn't realised this, but he was a guest at 20 Books Vegas this year. And Jerry sent me the link to that. I, I, I've added that video, which is I think is about 20 minutes long. Um, it's an easy listen. But uh, I've added that to this week's resources page. So just head over to selfpublishingjourneys.com and watch the video. And the talk is called Writing into the Dark. And I mean, blimey, this chap, Dean Wesley Smith, he really does talk about pantsing. Uh, you know, he really is a pantser and recommends pantsing. He, his, his recommendation in that video is to just get, get on with it, write your book, <laughs> which is one of his big things. Just write your blasted book and publish it. That's what he says. But he says, write your book. Um, don't mess around with it. Don't don't super edit it or anything like that. He says, just get it out there selling. Uh, and then you'll soon find out if there's a problem with it. And But write the next one. But he's so gung-ho about it. It's such a refreshing take on, on, on writing. So I really recommend you watch that video. Last week, I was suggesting that you buy a couple of audio books. But if you watch this video... Um, you'll, you'll get the gist of it without buying the audiobooks if you don't want to. So that's on the resources page this week. Now, I don't know whether you have got the Masterclass series. You know this Masterclass series where they get famous people to record, well, Masterclasses, as, as you would expect. And I bought one quite some time ago. It was uh, James Patterson did a Masterclass. And I thought, oh, I'll have that. I'll buy that um, because he's writing thrillers. And so I bought that. I can't remember how much it was. It was not not, not a fortune, but it was a bit, an amount of money that you you think about. But it wasn't a fortune. And um, and then 
Dan Brown had done. I haven't bought one since then. And Dan Brown's done one. I quite like Dan Brown's. But the other day I got an email from the masterclass people saying, I, I don't know how they've done this, but they'd selected me to do, um, the, the, I did a little survey or something. And when I did the survey, they sent me David Baldacci's masterclass, which hasn't been released yet. And, um, they've given me preview access to it. Uh, and I'm just, I'm working through the videos and I'm giving them feedback. Now you have to sign an NDA on this, a non-disclosure agreement. I was trying to work out what the A was. Agreement, non-disclosure agreement. So I can't talk about it um, because of that non-disclosure agreement. Um, but I just wanted to let you know that um, uh, when you when you give the feedback on this, and I am working through those videos now, um, they give you a free masterclass. So I'm going to get, not only have I got David's masterclass before it was released, but I've also got uh, I'm going to ask for Dan Brown's as my freebie as a thank you for doing the feedback on it. So uh, that's worked out rather well because I'm, I'm, I've heard a lot of good things. I know um, uh, that Joanna Penn has got Dan Brown's one and speaks very highly of it. So I'm really looking forward to getting that. But the masterclasses are well worth a look. This David Baldacci one is great. Uh, lots of useful stuff in there. Um, I really enjoyed the James Patterson one. It's really great when you get these master writers, you know, talking about how they do it, where they get their ideas. Uh, very, very illuminating. So if you haven't checked out the Masterclass series yet, um, do check it out. Make sure it's on your radar. Um, now, I mean, obviously the authors might not be writing in your genre, but if they are, like they are with mine, it's really good stuff. I've had a, a few bits of feedback this week. I mentioned Jerry earlier. By the way, um, now Jerry um, lives in the States. He goes to all the 20 Books events. I missed him at 20 Books London last year because we weren't on each other's radar, I don't think. Um, and and he's coming to 20 Books Edinburgh this year. But Jerry started a podcast, which I regularly recommend to you. And um, he's about to launch his first book. Um, he wants to get it launched by 20 Books Edinburgh. So I contacted Jerry. When Jerry sent this video link to me, I said, oh, can I interview you for the podcast? And Jerry's given me a provisional yes for that. So we're just trying to find a date. And I'm hoping Jerry's going to be the next guest. But Jerry is a, he is, uh, if, if you listen to him, he's complete. why I'm interested in Jerry is he's completely immersed in learning. And I've learned loads from his podcast. He, he's He's telling me things and recommending books that I've never heard of before, which is great. So I'm getting brilliant value from Jerry's podcast. But also, he's immersed in best practice. And I've just found it fascinating to hear how he's getting ready to launch his first book. And um, so I highly recommend it to you. But I, I want to talk to Jerry about that launch process as a first-time author. But as a first-time author who's immersed himself in best practice, he's put all this best practice together, and he's hoping then to get the kind of rapid re-release, uh, the rapid release, I beg your pardon, not re-release. Um, and he's putting together all the best advice that he's got, uh, hopefully to have success with his first release. So I, I want to talk to him about that. Uh, so I hope Jerry will be the next guest that we have, which will be at the beginning. What month are we now? At May. So Jerry's interview, if we can record it in time, will be at the beginning of June on the first Monday of June. But also uh, another former guest on this show is Rob Scott Norton. And Rob just dropped me a couple of notes this week to say that I'd mentioned Kindle Create recently. And Rob said, I haven't played with it for a year, um, but was always very happy with the output uh, that he was getting directly from Scrivener, as I think most of us are. You know, we, a lot of us use Scrivener when we've been doing this for any length of time. Um, but Rob just dropped me a line to say, I just played with the latest version and it looks pretty good, he said. I, I reckon I could use it to format my ebook within half an hour. And that goes back to what I said about it. I'd had a look at it. I mean, I'm, to be honest with you, I've bought Vellum. I'm happy with Vellum. I'm 
I'm not moving from vellum. But I just, I can't remember what made me look at Kindle Create. And it just made me think, sure, that looks, those screenshots look like, they look like vellum to me. So the re only reason I wanted to mention it is that if you can't afford or don't want to pay for vellum, that Kindle Create looks like it's a pretty good option. Julie Corden also wrote to me to say that she uses um, Kindle Create. And, and Rob's now saying it's pretty good. So if you if you've been resisting vellum, um, but you want something a little bit neater than just exporting directly from Scrivener, I can't give you this direct recommendation. But you know, a couple of listeners to the show have said it's it's pretty good. It's looking pretty good these days, and it looks very much like. Um, you know, the, uh, the kind of equivalent of a vellum, but it was getting into that kind of zone when I looked at it from the screenshot. So if you're new to this, if you haven't uploaded your first book to Amazon yet, and you, you're thinking about this, and maybe you're looking at vellum and saying, mm, it's a bit much for me at the moment, do check out Kindle Create because it is a free resource and it looks like they've improved it a lot. The other thing that Rob said to me, um, and he just reminded me of this, you know, you know, we're all constantly on social media and we follow people on Twitter and things like that. And Rob said, have you checked out Rain Hall's books yet? Now, Rain is spelt R-A-Y-N-E, Rain Hall. And Rain is particularly um, active on Twitter. And I have been following Rain Hall for some time. And I knew that she did um, craft books. But Rob dropped me a line to say, um, Rain's done some great short books on craft. And Rob had used some advice on creating vivid settings to help with description in his books. He said, it's worth taking a look. Like you, I hate writing description, but I know that it needs doing. Um, so yeah, Rain has been on my radar for ages. And uh, and when I looked at Rain's uh, Amazon account, she's written loads of craft books, loads and loads of craft books. It's amazing. And so um, I, what I did is I, I like to strike while the iron's hot. So yes, you know, rain has been on my radar, but no, I haven't actually bought anything from it yet. But it, it usually just takes that one little comment or that one little nudge to tip me over the edge. So what I did, Rob, is I used one of my audio credits off Audible to to buy one of Rain's books. I bought I bought the same one that you were mentioning, actually, creating vivid settings in audiobook form. And so I'll um it'll take me a while to get to it because I've got a lot of things queued up at the moment. But when I get to it, I'll I'll let you know. Um but yeah if if you are interested in improving craft and Rain writes all these books, um fight scenes and things like that, you know, really she really digs into the minutiae of writing and setting and description and things like that. So if you are looking for some craft books, do check out Rain Hall. And I'll put a link on this week's resources page again, so that you can just find her easily without having to hunt for her too much. I continued my pincer movement towards rapid release, rapid re-release. And all of my thrillers are now delisted on all other channels but Amazon. So I am all in KDP Select. Now, if you recall the strategy here, what I said to you was, that I'm probably going to start the rapid re-release of my thrillers September or October. I've got the uh, my So Many Lies thriller that I wrote last year. That is with Helen Fazar right now. I'm going to follow that up, I think, with this thriller that I've just written. So I'm going to start the launch. I'm, I'm in two minds at the moment. I'll tell you what my thinking is on this. What I can't decide is whether to wait until Don't Tell Meg is up for a book bub again and that's actually perfect timing because it's up again in, in August so I can submit don't tell Meg to book bub in August so I can't make up my mind whether to start the rapid read relaunch with something I know works something that I know is popular so don't tell Meg basically I can I can list that in August for the first time September I might not get it first time September October so if I if I try with don't tell Meg to get another book bub on it 
I know I know just from experience that's going to put me at number one in free charts and things like that. So that w- I know that that would give me some good impetus. And then I could follow up with so many lies and then follow it up with Left for Dead and then start to work through my standalone thrillers as part of that rapid re-release sequence. Now, I think that with the rapid re-release, I think I've settled. You, you, you know how the wind blows and everything changes on this podcast. But at the moment, I'm sort of thinking, right, September, October-ish to start that rapid re-release. And then I think I'm going to do them at 28-day intervals. Now, I know there are rapid re-release schedules where you can release after seven days and then 14 days. They're really, really tight releases. I don't think I'm going to do that. I think I want to take more time with the releases. I think once in 28 days is probably going to be enough for me. Otherwise, it's really, really intense. I don't want to get into anything that intense. But plenty of people say that the 28-day cycle works. Now, I'll keep my powder dry on that. I might change my mind. So my options are at the moment, do I start the rapid release rapid re-release with so many lies in september follow it with left for dead then work through the standalones and then maybe bring don't tell megan at the end or what's making more sense to me at the moment is because don't tell meg is up for a book bub again in, in august and it probably won't get it on its first submission I mean, it might not get it on its second or third they might not let me have another book bub again but if i i just thought well if i submit don't tell meg in august I'll submit it in September. I'll submit it in October. If they don't give me a book bub then, then I will just start launching So Many Lies. If they do give me a book bub though on Don't Tell Meg, that gives me, I know that works really well. It'll give me a good earning month to start with. And then I can start to do the rapid release of So Many Lies the month after, 28 days after. And then I can do Left for Dead 28 days after that. And I'll just re-release the other books, having got that initial momentum. So... Again, this is this is like therapy doing this podcast because saying it to you now, that makes perfect sense. So this is the plan then. <laughs> I've just decided that right now, talking to you now, because it just makes sense to me. I'm going to try Don't Tell Meg in August, September and October. If I get a book bub on it, I'll use that as the beginning. That will mark the beginning of the rapid release, rapid re-release. If I don't get a book bub, in October, by the end, you know, by October on, on Don't Tell Meg, I won't wait any longer. I will start with the re-release, the re-release, I beg you, the first release of So Many Lies. That will be my leading book. Then I'll do Left for Dead, which is the one I'm writing at the moment. And then I'll work through the single ones. And then what I might do with Don't Tell Meg then is I, I might rename it. I might rewrite it and then I'll put it at the end of the rapid re-release. So Don't Tell Meg's either going at the beginning or it's going at the end. So that, I think that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to commit to that sort of 80% right now because that makes more sense to me it makes sense to get the impetus of don't tell meg and to raise that up the charts and then to to hop the other books off the success of that um on on a 28 day re-release cycle um but all my thrillers now are delisted so so what i'm going to do is they're they're basically i'm putting them in kdp select for 3 months uh so what is it that's going to take me to about july something like that and then they and then i'm going to delist them they're just going to disappear completely um and then they're going to get the new stuart base covers they they probably get new titles they'll get revamped blurbs i might even do a a, a light re-edit on them look at the feedback that i've had from them if i need to make any changes make those changes and then they will just sit and wait there ready for their turn in the in the release cycle so and I'll also add my author notes. That's the other thing that I'm going to do as well. So 
that's kind of the plan with the with the with the rapid launch process at the moment. So we're not going to be there. You see, the other thing is is that I, I can't do anything until I've got my covers back from Stuart Bache. And Stuart Bache is booked in for July. Um, he, he, I've I booked him for five covers. I've actually got the money in the pot now. Um, you know, with all the bills paid and all the things I want to do, I've actually got the money in the pot for another cover. So I'm thinking of saying to Stuart, "Can you take an extra one on in July? Can you do six for me?" And those six covers would be So Many Lies, which is a brand new book, Left for Dead, which is a book I'm writing, Dead of Night, One Fatal Error, Burden of Guilt, and the other one. <laughs> Who to trust? Yeah. So I'm thinking of asking Stuart if he could do all of my thrillers then. And then they've all got great covers on. They've all got Stuart Bache themed covers that all look like they're part of a series. And again, that makes more sense to me from a re-release point of view that they all need to look like they're in the same, by the same author. They all need to look like they're a lovely row. You know, they're lovely and collectible. So they've all got to have, I want that to be a lovely row of Stuart Bache covers by the time we finish. So, um, as I say, the money's in the pot now for that extra cover. And that's quite a spend with Stuart. Um, what am I spending with Stuart? I'm committed at the moment. Uh, I, I've remembered the VAT this time. So I, I've already got £1,800, not dollars. I've got £1,800 budgeted already um, to pay Stuart for those covers. And um, an extra cover then at that price is going to be an extra £360. So if I get those six covers done, um, we're talking, what is it? £2,160. You know, that's a lot of spend, isn't it, on covers? Um, but then, of course, you know, decent covers take a lot of time. So that's just how it is. But I'm looking at spending £2,000 on the covers. It's a, a big investment, isn't it? I got £1,000, you know, possibly more to pay for an edit. It's a lot of money that you're laying out um, on all these expenses. Now, my philosophy with this is that you you pay professionals to do the job they do best. That's why you pay people. Um, and if you skimp, you generally don't get a brilliant job done. So I'm happy to pay professional people to do me a great job because then I can trust the job that they do. But at the moment, I've got a £1,000 put by to, for the So Many Lies edit. I've also been able to, um, you know, with, with my increased earnings from Don't Tell Meg, I've put by £800 for Left for Dead to be edited. And Helen never got to who to trust. Um, so I've put, uh, that's a 50,000 word book. So I've put 500 pounds for her to go through that one as well. Um, before that gets rapid re-release. So this is what I say to you about the income that you get from a book bub. I don't take any of it in my pocket at the moment. I just reinvest it back into the business. So, um, I had to cheapscape, uh, it on the covers that I put on my standalone thrillers. I, I was right, almost writing faster than I could earn the money to get the covers. Also, you have to prioritize stuff all the time. So I was prioritizing the edits to pay for the edits on those books. Um, I've now got the money to pay Stuart Bache for all those covers and I've got the money in the pot to pay for all those edits. Um, you know, I want the, my work to be the best it could be as, 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 as good as I can make it given the resources that I've got. Um, so, so that's where the money's getting spent. Um, but the, the great thing about a book bub is it, it does give you, it gives you the, the money, the cash flow to get those things done. And that's been great. And also, of course, I've, I've had a couple of corporate events as well that put a bit more money in the pot. So it, it, it's it's a good position to be in. If I now get a, another book bub on the grid, it's going to really kind of strengthen my hand um, because what I'd like to do next, having got the edits done and the covers paid for um, up front, you know, I've got the money in for those. 
what I'd really like to do with income next, and, and the grid will do this for me if I get a book bub on that, is I'd like to put a really good budget by for advertising for when I do the rapid re-release so that I can sign up to loads of email promos to just, you know, all the way through that rapid re-release. Advertise, 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 advertise as much as I can. That's the next thing I want in place. But where are we now? We're in May. I've got one, two, three, four, got four to five months for that money to come in and to get another book bub to bring that money in. So touch wood, I'm reasonably confident that that will happen. Um, But my income is up anyway, as a residual effect from still from that grid promo that we did. And obviously from the don't tell Meg that I've had recently as well. So, um, you know, it, 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 it just feels good. I don't take any money out of the business. It all goes, gets reinvested. This is what I always say to you. you know, if you think about the money there that's come into the business, you know, 2,200 pounds for Stuart Beige covers, um, a thousand pound for an edit, um, another, what is it? Another 1,300 pounds for edits on other books. There is money coming into the business now but I take none of it out for myself. It all gets ploughed back into the books to make the books as good as they possibly can be using the resources that I've got. Um, but it's what I say to you, you know, if, if I if I ever just stopped writing and said, okay, the books have got great covers now, they've all been edited, they're as good as I can make them. All I'm going to do now is just promote them on BookBub and when I make money out of it, I'll take it out as income. You know, I could be taking that out as income, but I choose not to. And I choose to plow it back into the business because that's just the way I want to run it. I want the best covers that I can get. You know, Stuart Bache is the best at the moment for the covers. So I'm, I'm going to pay 360 quid um, for a, from an Amazon cover, if that's what it costs, to get a great cover on a book. Um, and people, when people comment on the covers and say, I love that cover, who did the cover design for you? That's kind of what I, where I want to be with my covers. So where are we up to? I don't know where I went off. Oh, I was telling you, <laughs> I always forget when I started sometimes with these. Yeah, so all my... Uh, thrillers are delisted now. And, um, I'm, the other thing I'm doing in the Don't Tell Meg books now, now the sort of initial big sales have gone from that last book bub. I'm now putting my author notes into all my books now. Um, just to see whether they, that creates any feedback or if I get more email signups. That's one of the purposes of them. The way I've done the email signup, I've kind of worked the request to join my mailing list in, into the author note. So rather than just having something there saying, keep in touch, sign up to my mailing list, I've actually worked it into a conversation in the author notes because I've never really had many signups at the back of books. And I just, again, I wanted to try something just different with that. So the author notes, say, if you'd like to contact me or, you know, if you'd like to tell me what you think should happen next in the story or who your favourite character is, um, you know, register for my newsletter and just reply to the first email you receive from me. I've kind of just worked it in a different way to see whether that gives me more signups. And I, I will continue to experiment with that, of course. So uh, the other thing i got to tell you uh, before we finish this week is that, do you remember I said to you I got over 230 replies to that email? Uh, silly boy shouldn't have asked the question I got these 230 replies to this month's email that I sent out and the question was is what do you think of sex scenes in books I got amazing replies to it really really thoughtful replies so I have finally 
responded to everybody. 230 people I've responded to, uh, over 230 people. It's probably about 240 now. And that took me some time. I had to pace that over three stints. Um, I did about 75 or something at a time, something like that. Um, but oh, it took a lot of time. Uh, so me and my big mouth, the, the, the problem with it is, is while I'm doing it, I'm thinking, you know, I've never had a response like this before. This is exactly what you want with your email marketing. You want people talking to you. And I'm replying to them saying, thanks for your reply. And where I can personalize it, I've put a little person. So I, I've basically used a standard reply that sounds very chatty. And where people have maybe made a comment about a Star Trek question I also asked in the email, um, or they've put something very personal in there, I I always just add an extra line to personalise it. I always reply with their name in it too, so it doesn't look like a standard reply. So, it, you know, it doesn't take forever. It's not like I'm writing 230 personal, personal replies, but they do have that personal feel to it. And, it, and I am replying one-on-one. I can't reply en masse. But... Um, you know, I've, I've never had so many responses to my emails. You can't knock it. It's working well. So I am going to continue it, even though I have to take it on the chin sometimes and sit there writing 230 replies to emails, which I would rather not be doing. But, you know, in the old days of internet marketing, those emails tended to be complaints or refund requests. So I'm very, very happy to have all these lovely positive emails flying around between people who, um, the other thing I get from those emails actually is I have so many people there saying, you know, keep doing what you do. I really enjoy reading your books. And and just really from a a personal uh, flattery stroke ego uh, point of view, it's really nice to get that. And that's what they mean by a thousand true fans, you know, fans that you, people who read your books, enjoy your books, can't wait for the next one. So I'm going to stick to that because it feels to me like the, the best thing I've done in, in developing uh, readers and developing relationships with readers. It is working extremely well. Uh, the, the other thing, of course, is this podcast, but this podcast tends to be, um, it, it's, it's not aimed at readers. It's aimed at, at writers. So it's a, a different, I, I get great relationships from this podcast. Uh, but, it, but it's not with my readers, obviously. This is why I should write nonfiction, of course, because um, people who listen to this podcast would probably buy nonfiction. But that's a completely different story, and I'm not going to go there right now. Okay, so uh, thank you very much to Edwin Downward, who seemed to be very pleased that we were back to the interview episodes. Uh, remember, it's only temporary. I'm doing it over the, the summer, basically. So you're going to get one in May. You've got one in May. That was Kirsten Oliphant. June, July, August, and then the last one will be the, the first... Monday on September and that'll be the last interview episode but there's just a a couple of people I've been dying to talk to for ages that I'm just trying to uh, you know work through the list and 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 sort interviews with these people so um, Edward had posted on Twitter this week uh, and had said that he needed to come up with something good uh, to celebrate the fact that we've obviously returned to the interview episodes so Edward says my alternative route to work um, to avoid roadworks has introduced me to a brand new park it's uh edwin says he's not up to walking these distances but it's he's given me a shout out anyway um referring to my park runs i think and um he's also said you've got to be curious i said to, to edwin any park runs near you and edwin checked and they do have park runs in canada uh, they have them all over the world now, but not in Spain, annoyingly. Uh, but they have them all around the world. And he drilled down and he found that he's got a park run two hours away uh, in a direction he never goes. <laughs> Come on, Edwin. You could do it. Um, there was a park run story this week from somebody I know, somebody at the Carlisle Park Run, who was, I hope I'm not adding his to his weight here, but he was 20... Six stone. This is a pal of mine that I see every week in the in the park runs. I used to work with his wife at the BBC, and I, I see them every week at park run. And 
he was 20, I think it was 26 stone. It's 26 stone or 24 stone. And basically he's done, I think it's 14 part runs and he's lost six stone, six stone. And he, and he walks around. And when he started, I think his five kilometer time was, it was over an hour. It's an hour and 10 minutes, an hour and 15 minutes. And now he does it in about 50 minutes. So he's knocked 20 minutes off his time and uh, he's lost that amount of weight. Um, so it's called part run, but a lot of people walk and they still get healthy anyway. So if you haven't tried it, Edwin, come on, you can do it. If you haven't tried it, it's not for super fit people. I'm miles off super fit. I'm not super fit at all. There are super fit people there, but there are loads of people. You won't be last. I promise you, you won't be last at a part run um, because they have these things called tail walkers who they are always the last people. You're never last at a part run. And loads of people just walk at the back or they take their dog and walk it. So seriously, um, I'm becoming an evangelist for part run. Uh, if you want to get fit, if you want to have a healthy, I'm going to, let's frame it as healthy author lifestyle. If you know you're spending too much time at your computer sitting there and you need to get out, try a part run. There's bound to be one near you. And when you do it, let me know how you get on. Honestly, just try one. You'll love it. You'll be addicted. Um, I, I'm, I'm becoming a part run traveler now. So I like it so much. Uh, you know, I went to do one at Market Raisin when I went to see my mum. I'm going to do one at Morecambe in a couple of weeks. They do one on the seafront there. So I'm going to do one on the front at Morecambe and I'm going to Penrith. And uh, I'm trying to factor them in. Wherever I travel now, I'm looking for a park run because I've got so addicted. So there you go. Um, that's my, that let's frame park runs as being a healthy author. And if you know it's time you sort of got out your chair and did something, do, do try one. It's honestly, it's the best thing I've ever done for getting involved in exercise. And it's definitely not for the super fit. This uh, podcast is not sponsored by Part Run, though you wouldn't know it, would you? Um, it's, I'm just I'm sharing it with you because I love it so much, and it's actually made such a change in my life. I'm going to do my 17th tomorrow, my 17th Part Run, and I'm volunteering for the first time tomorrow too. Um, so it really has uh, sort of caught my enthusiasm, and uh, it's caught, really caught my attention. Uh, and by the way, I've lost half a stone since I started, so I, I'm already my weight's already coming right down. So um, hopefully that will recommend it to you to give it a try. Anyhow, enough of that. Um, I hope to have, when we speak next week, how many words will I have done? I should be up to 55,000 words when we speak next week, which seems incredible. But yep, it should be up to 55,000 words. I'm writing on Sunday, Thursday and Friday next week. Whatever it is you're up to in your author career, I hope you have a fabulous week of writing. I'll speak to you next Saturday. Bye-bye for now. Thanks for listening to Paul's Podcast Diary. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast feed to hear next week's update and find out how many words get produced over the next seven days. Until then, we hope you have a great week of writing.